Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Do you still struggle with questions about repentance, baptism, heaven, and hell? The more you grow in your faith, the more these questions will be answered. Today, we look at Hebrews 6 to learn how to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. Cheryl's message titled, Maturity Brings Security. Spiritual maturity. He's making them secure, showing them evidentiary fact from their own lives about their eternal welfare, about their spiritual productivity, and about the blessing of God in their life. Because, why is he doing this? Because the author has these incredible, great, deep truths, glorious truths, that he wants to open their eyes to. He wants to show them the great things of Christ and the power of faith. He says, I want, I want to show you what is yours, what you have. If we understood, I remember how Jesus says to the woman at the well in John 4, if you knew who it was who was speaking to you and the gift that he offers you, you would ask him and he would give it to you. You see, as Christians, if we would only realize all that we have through Christ and the gifts that are given to us, oh my goodness, nobody would have to tell us to pray. We're like, let's pray. Pray about this now because that's going to loose the power of heaven. We would bind these things on earth in Jesus' name and we would loose the power of heaven every opportunity we got. The author says, I want I want to spur you on to greater things, the things that come with your salvation. I don't want you to miss out on one gift that God has for you. I want you to have the fullest Christian experience. I want you to realize the wisdom of God. And so in the next chapter, chapter seven, he's going to tell us about Melchizedek. You know, the Bible, as you go deeper into the word of God, as your understanding increases in the word of God, it becomes exciting. I mean, when you read the word of God, sometimes you want to go, oh, oh, oh. Or I've had people, like where I'm doing a Bible study in a smaller group, go, I see it. I see it. And you're like, good, hallelujah. Because all of a sudden you see it. And this is what Adam's sin meant. And this was why we were condemned. And this is why we needed Jesus. And this is what faith looks like. And this is how faith operates. You know, sometimes we're bluffing our way through the Christian walk. I did a class at the Bible college on Christian words and what they mean. And I said to my students, I want you to write down all the words that you really don't know the meaning of, but you've just been bluffing your way because it seems like everybody else at Bible college needs it. You know what words I got? Salvation, (laughs) repentance, redemption, sanctification, promise, faith. 
The author says, I want you to know what these things mean. And the way to do it is to press forward, to go deeper. My dad used to love to sing the song, deeper, deeper, in the love of Jesus, daily may I go. Deeper. This is the answer, is to go deeper. He wants to spur them on. He tells them that they are the beloved, the saved, the productive, and the evidence that has accompanied their salvation is their work and labor of love in Jesus' name. And he says in verse 10, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He's telling them the fact that you labor shows that you are filled with Jesus. Your labor is empowered by Jesus. Your labor is motivated by Jesus. And your labor is ultimately for Jesus. You wouldn't care about the saints. You wouldn't minister to them. You wouldn't labor if it wasn't for the Spirit of God working in your life. That is evidence that Jesus is in you and God sees it and he takes note of it. He doesn't forget that. That counts to God. That's evidence. And he says, now it's the time to continue in the same diligence. Verse 11, to the full assurance of hope until the end. He says, you need to continue just as you've been doing, but press forward to the full assurance, or to the full security. Be fully secured in Christ, that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, that you know that you know that you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that you know that you know that you know your sins are forgiven, that you know that you know that you know that heaven is real, that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, that you know that you know that you know Jesus is coming, that you know that you know that you know that God's had a plan a great, big, wonderful plan that includes you, that you know, that you know, that you know. Keep growing. Keep doing what you've been doing that you might have the full insurance or the full security of faith. And he says, don't become sluggish. Don't slow down. Don't get mired. When do you become sluggish? You know, I I think of sluggish. Let me give you a word picture, okay? It is running in in the sand on the beach in cement boots, that's sluggish. And that's going to slow you down, especially if the boots keep taking sand in uh, as you're running on the beach. Sluggish. And and that's like when you're slowing down and you're taking burdens on and you're being weighed down by these questions and by your own sin. It will keep you immature and it will keep you insecure and it will keep you from receiving the promises that had been promised to you. It will keep you from the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he says, instead, instead of being sluggish, imitate those who by faith and patience inherited the promise. In order to imitate, you must watch and observe. You must watch and observe. You must catch the inflections, the mannerisms, which means you're going to have to read about these people. You're going to have to read about those who received the promises. And and we're going to get that a lot in chapter 11, the people who received the promises, what they look like, 
And what we see with all of them is they exercise two things, faith, belief in God, and patience. And as they exercise both faith and patience, they receive the promises that they have been given, and these promises were fulfilled. There is no other way, no other way to get the promises of God. You must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six, because he's preparing them for you. Hebrews chapter 11, and let me say this, Hebrews 11 is a coming. You must plant faith deep in your heart. I believe that seed of faith, that mustard seed of faith, you've got to plant it. And it requires patience. This seed requires patience. You must wait It's going to require time. Just as a seed that you plant requires time to germinate in the soil, to bud, to spread roots, to break through the ground, and then to grow stronger, branch out, and become a tree that bears fruit. There will always be a time element between the promise God gives you and its fulfillment. There will always be a time element. Think about Joseph who had the dreams, the dreams that his brothers and his father were all bowing down to him as sheaves of wheat and everyone was so mad at him. Then some 14, 15 years later, after being sold into slavery, after being in prison, he's elevated to the court of Pharaoh and he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And then here come his brothers in, not recognizing him, asking, asking for food. And what we see is the sheaves bowing down. But think how much time between the dream and its fulfillment. Or Abraham, who we'll talk about, between the time that God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, to the time that he had Isaac. It's going to require patience. I hate to bring this up. But the way to patience is through trials. That's what James 1 says. That trials, as we go through trials and we see that God always comes through, God always comes through, God always comes through, it gives us patience. And the longer the wait, we can endure because we know that we know that we know. When my dad was about 14 years old, his his father had a nervous breakdown my grandfather, Charles Hutchinson Smith. And he went into a catatonic state and he, could, he lost his job because he couldn't move, he couldn't talk, he couldn't do anything. My grandmother had to put him in diapers. My grandmother had to go back to work. And my father at 14 years old got a paper route and he was very proud of the fact that he got his driver's license at 15 years old. He got a special permit, which could happen back in those days, so that he could deliver as many papers as possible. And he and my grandmother supported his siblings for months. I I asked my dad, I said, Dad, how long was your father in this state? He said, I can't remember, but it was somewhere between two to six months. And I said, two to six months? Your dad, what did he do? He said, he just sat in his bed. I said, did he talk? No. Did he communicate at all? He said, no, we would feed him. My mom would, my you know, mother would feed him with a spoon, you know, change his diapers, wash him down, as well as work. And I said, did you ever lose hope or faith? That, and 
He said, no. He said, my mother would always talk about when dad, when dad is healed, when dad comes through, when dad, and he said, I never even, I never even considered that there would be a time that my father would not be healed. He said, I never even considered it. I never even, it never came into my mind. I'm 14 years old, 15 years old. I just believe my mom. She says, dad's going to be fine someday. Dad's going to be fine. My grandmother and grandfather used to have this ministry that if a visiting pastor or somebody coming to give a testimony would come to their little four square church, that my grandmother would always have them over for dinner on Sunday, Sunday dinner. My grandmother would make a great big Sunday dinner with the best and most difficult homemade rolls that you could ever try to make. But she would invite them over for dinner and she was a a wondrous cook. I never knew it really because she passed away when I was four. But on one of those occasions, a Prince Marthundan came to dinner. He was an Indian prince. He came from a wealthy regal Indian family, but they had disassociated from him when he became a believer in Jesus. But he still had his wealth and his inheritance. And he used to drive my dad's at a white Cadillac. And he would go to different churches and share about how Jesus met him and saved him. And he had been over to my grandmother and grandfather's house for dinner. Well, he was driving through Santa Ana, California. And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, I want you to go to Brother Smith's house. I want you to pray for him. Well, he hadn't seen my grandparents in at least a year. But he drove his white Cadillac and he parked it in front of my grandparents' house and he went and he knocked on the door and my grandmother answered. And he said, I'm here to pray for Brother Smith. The Lord has just put him on my heart. And my grandmother led him back to the back bedroom where my grandfather was in bed. And Prince Marthundin laid his hands on my grandfather and said, Mr. Smith, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And my grandpa, without losing a beat, looked up and said, well, Prince Marthundin, what are you doing here? And from that moment on, he went back to selling refrigerators and then real estate. I agree. You never heard that from my dad, Chuck Smith. But these are the stories I got when I did Thanksgiving dishes with him in the kitchen. I asked him all these questions. But, you know, it was patience patience, faith, and patience that inherits the promise. There will always be a time element between the promise and its fulfillment. Do not give up on seeing the doctor in the waiting room. Don't leave the waiting room till you've seen the doctor. Isn't that what we do? We make our appointment, we go into the waiting room, and 10 minutes before they call our name, we leave and give up on the doctor, Dr. Jesus Do not leave the waiting room until you've seen the doctor. The absolute surety of God's promises is seen in verses 13 through 18. And he gives us Abraham. He just said, look at those who by faith and patience. And now he brings up Abraham. Abraham is an example of someone who received the promise of God through faith and patience. God swore to him. Here is security, he says. The security is that God swore to him. God made an oath or a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant was based on God because there's no higher power than God. When God speaks, it's absolute. It's authoritative because this is God and there is no higher authority. There is no greater truth than God himself. God's word 
is verifiable. It is true. We talked about this last week and the week before. It's proven. So God gave Abraham the promise, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And after Abraham patiently endured, he received the promise, Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise through whom God will fulfill the rest of his promises. God used Abraham to show us the security of his promises. They are sure because God promised and there's no higher word or authority than God. And he confirmed his promise to us with an oath or a covenant. Jesus is the covenant of God. He's the oath. He's where we can see God means it because he sent his son to die on the cross. It's signed and sealed. God's counsel is immutable. God's word cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. His word is absolute. What he said is what he said. God's character, God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. He only tells the truth and he will only tell the truth. In John 14, 2, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, I wouldn't lie to you. Jesus does not lie. God does not lie. God wants you secure. In verse 16, the author uses the phrase to end all dispute. In other words, to get rid of any insecurities and all insecurities, to stop the fighting and the battle within you. Then verse 17, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. He is determined to secure you. He goes overboard to make you feel secure. He confirmed his promises to us. They're confirmed, they're seen in Jesus that we might have, verse 18, strong consolation, absolute security, that when we doubt, we can go to God's word and say, nope, it's so, I am secure. Security that you're an heir of promise. Security to those who have fled for refuge and laid hold of the hope before us, that you might feel so secure. I'm holding on to Jesus and I am secure. Our security does not rest in what we've done or the answer to all our questions or our feelings, but in what God has done and says he has done for us. It's in his word and in his oath through Jesus. Therefore, our steadfast hope is Jesus. He is our security. He is the anchor of our soul. He is the word of God. He is the oath of God. He is sure and steadfast. He has entered God's presence behind the veil. He has entered the unseen place, the forbidden place, the exclusive place, the place for only the righteous, the holiest place of all with the sacrifice of his blood. And in so doing, he has anchored us forever to God. We are secure through Jesus Christ forever. Our salvation is sure. Our future with God in Christ, in heaven, in the millennium, in the age to come is secured in Christ. Our perfection, our immortality, our glorification, our deliverance today is secured We secure for all, we are secured for all the promises of God through Christ Jesus. Hope is not wishful thinking. 
but the basis of our qualification before God. Biblical hope is the security that we rest in so we can receive all that God has promised. It's time to leave the questions behind. Press forward in faith. Press forward in patience. It's time to say goodbye immaturity, goodbye insecurity, because God wants to move us on into greater depths, greater revelation, greater understanding, greater promises, greater power, greater fulfillment, greater testimony. God wants to move us, propel us forward. And God desires that we be absolutely secure in our faith, that we might receive the revelation, the understanding, the promises, the power, the fulfillment, the testimony, that we might see his promises. You know, God's going to fulfill his promise, but are you going to see it? Are you going to experience it? Are you going to be on the outside saying, I wish You ever have someone go home and go, oh my goodness, you should have been at that wedding. You wouldn't have believed it. You know, this thing happened. You're like, oh, I wanted to go to that wedding. I wish I had been there. Ever do that? Oh, I missed that moment. I wish. That's how the promise of faith is. You don't want to miss the moment. I'm just going to do one more story really quickly. I used to coordinate weddings here at Calvary. I was doing a wedding. Brian had been out surfing with the junior high because he used to be the junior high pastor. Now he was doing a tour of Korean pastors who all had their cameras with them. They'd all come and I was coordinating a wedding. Brian was wearing his surf shorts because my dad just called him and said, hey, I need you now. I don't have time. I've got to do this wedding. So he's up here doing the wedding. And he he introduced Brian to the Korean pastors. There's Brian in flip-flops covered in sand with a tank top and board shorts on, right? And he's got these Korean pastors all in suits with cameras around their neck. He brings them in the back in the foyer just to see the wedding. And they say, oh, they don't speak English. Pasa chuck. And they all come flooding down the aisle in the middle of the wedding. And I'm coordinating the wedding. And I'm helpless. And Brian is not wearing the attire to bring these men back. And they come right up on stage and start taking pictures with the bride and groom and with Pasa chuck. And I'm saying to Brian, you've got to do something. You have got to do something. And the people in the wedding, they didn't know what to do. But hallelujah, they started laughing. Everyone started laughing. I'll tell you, that wedding was unforgettable. They have wedding memories that are unique to them and no one else has. And that's what I told them when they came out. Wow, what a wedding. (laughs) I bet nobody else can put that in their book. (laughs) I hope I still have a job. But there they are. And Brian goes to the back door and he whistles. (laughs) And then goes, like this, and they go, oh, Pasa Brian, bye Pasa Chuck, and they all file out. You missed that wedding. That was a wedding. You don't want to miss. You don't want to miss when faith and the promises are fulfilled. You don't want to miss it. You want to be there. You want to be all present. You want to see it, and you're going to need faith and patience. All the questions will be understood and fully, fully realized as we secure ourselves in Christ. Jesus is the surety to all the promises of God. He is the reason we can trust that the rain that falls on our life will bear fruit, be useful to God, and bring blessing. Our security is based in Jesus, what he said 
and what he's done. He's our anchor. He's our surety. When the insecurities begin to flood in and the questions begin to come, grab Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Just believe in Jesus. Go deeper into Jesus. Just read the Gospels and say, Lord, take me deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus. Daily may I go. As Christians, our lives are centered on Jesus. When we hold on to Jesus, we're secure. Our security doesn't rest on what we've done or our feelings, but it rests in what God has done for us. It's His promise and His word to us through Jesus Christ, who is our sure and steadfast hope, our anchor in the storm, and our Messiah who gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. As we meditate on God's word and come to know Jesus in this way, we will grow and mature and our insecurities will turn to faith that will lead to greater understanding and love for God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at Jesus, our incorruptible high priest, as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.